Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. We've been in a series called Here Now. We've been talking about how God doesn't just want us to remember that he has done great things, but to know he wants to continue to do great things in us and through us. Enjoy the message. See, we've been in our, in our, our series here now where, where we have been talking about God wanting to do something, not just in the past, not just showing us and reminding us that he has been great and done great things, but we've been talking about how God is great and he wants to do great things. And we've been looking at the story of, of Samuel going and anointing David. And, and I want to jump into today. We've talked about there being hope, that there being more, there being a plan. The very first week, last week, we talked about opposition because we all face opposition. As, as we're moving towards God, we, we talked about the fact that even though there's opposition, that there's still provision, that if it's God's plan and his provision, then it will always be there to fight the opposition. And that oftentimes our obedience leads us to opposition. But knowing that there's opposition should remind us that God is with us and we continue to take steps forward. And this morning, I believe that God wants to challenge the way that we see Challenge the way that we see ourselves and see people around us. So this morning, I would like to talk to you. My message is entitled, Put Your Glasses On. And so some of you are like, Pastor, I already have my glasses on and I have mine on. That's okay. You'll get it in a minute. Put your contacts in, grab your little monocle, whatever it may be. Write something down that you will remember because God wants to challenge the way that we see. Can we pray this morning? God, I pray that uh, in these next moments that we spend in your word, that God, you would speak to our hearts, that we would be open to hear your voice, to respond to it. God, I pray that as your presence is here, that it would capitalize on the moments, that it would speak to us and it would change who we are. That when we leave today, we'll be different because we've experienced you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now. I have a really good friend that I oftentimes tease about one simple thing. And, and she's here in the room, and I may say her name, we'll, we'll see, but it's probably going to be Krishana that I tease about this. And it's a, it oftentimes works out like this. Krishana and I will be having conversations, and oftentimes when I talk about Krishana, I'll just say Crash. That's what I call her. The longer you know me, I give almost everyone around me nicknames. And so Krishana quickly became Crash because it was easier for me to say. And I got it right. Because if I make up the name, then I always will have it right, right? So we'll oftentimes be talking, and I'll make a funny face at Krishana, and she'll look at me, and she'll be like, you know I can't see your face, right? I don't have my glasses on. And so my response often, almost always, is, girl, put your glasses on. And then I begin to think, hold on, wait, how did you get here today? Did you drive without your glasses on? And sometimes her response is like, well, PK, I haven't had my glasses for like the last three months. You're just now noticing? I'm like, man, don't let me ride with you if you do not have your glasses on. So we have these, these conversations about this. Well, a couple of weeks ago after our prayer service, we were hanging out at Freddy's. And there, be, there began this competition to see who could see what in the room. Because that night again, Krishana didn't have her glasses on. And so she began to spot stuff on the wall and say, oh, well, I can read that. And she's reading signs. Well, then other people sitting at the table. My wife is super competitive. Just Most people think that it's me that's competitive. If we play games or things like that, I do want to win. But Mel is way more competitive than I am 
I promise. So Mel is sitting there, and so she wants to get in on this. So her and Crash are going back and forth with, well, what can you see? Well, I can see this over here. Can you read this? And out of the blue, Krishana's like, well, can you see the H&R block sign? And no one at the table can see the H&R block sign because from her vantage point, she's seeing it across the street. All I can see is the little green lights. So then they're having this argument, right? And then somebody takes it up a notch, and they begin to pull out prescriptions. <laughs> they begin to trade glasses and contacts so that they could see who could see what. It was so, so funny. But I've done that before. I've grabbed other people's glasses, and I've put them on, and almost always it, it ends with me, like, giving them their glasses back and being like, man, you are so blind. Let me not leave this on my eyes because I feel like if I leave them on too long, there's permanent damage there, right? And so I give them back. And, and what's crazy is it's, it's amazing to me how the wrong prescription can distort everything in my view. But when I have the right prescription, everything that was distorted before suddenly becomes clear. And see, we may not be doing this with, with glasses. You may not be trading glasses with people and know what I'm talking about. But oftentimes we do this with our perception of our lives and what we do with it. You see, some of us have lived our entire lives or the majority of our lives with someone else's prescriptions on. That you've grown up hearing that you will only be this or you can't be that or you'll never amount to anything more than who you are right in this moment. You've been told something so long. It was someone else's lens and you just put it on and you've been living a life with a distorted view. You figure, well, if I was told, I'm always going to be, and you can fill in the blank. If I've been told that by so many people for so long, oftentimes that now becomes my own view. And we simply give in. We simply feel like that I guess this is the only life that we'll get. This will be the only way that we can live. And then it begins to distort not only how we see ourselves, but and how we see other people. We take one glance at people and we make decisions based on what they're wearing how they smell, what they look like, is their hair combed? How many tattoos do they have? Can I see their tattoos? What are their tattoos of? We look at their skin and we make decisions based on those things, all sometimes with the wrong prescription, with the wrong lens on. But it doesn't have to be this way. You see, sometimes what I'm looking at, the distortion there is, is misleading. It's not the truth. It's what I can see just here, and it's not reality. It's not even what the truth is, but what if it can be different? I believe this, that we're, if we are brave enough to allow the lens that we see to be God's lens, it will take courage and it will take faith and it will take determination to continue to put on his lens, to continue to take off our distorted view and look through the lens of God. But if we do this, I believe that everything can change. I believe that everything can change, who I am can change, who around me changes, who I can see them to be changes, everything can change. So you've already opened your Bible up to 1 Samuel 16. I want to walk through the rest of our story. We started in verse 1 a couple of weeks ago. We made it all the way up to verse 5, and I'll give you a quick synopsis of where we've been. Saul was the first king of Israel, and Samuel anointed him. But then Saul began to make some choices and decisions that were against what God had told him to do. And so Samuel had to be the bearer of bad news and remind Saul that you were supposed to be obedient. And since you haven't been, God is going to remove you and replace you as king. 
And so as he does this, it breaks Samuel's heart. And we see him in, at the beginning of this chapter mourning Saul. And God says, hey, it's time to stop mourning Saul. We got new things, new people, new direction. Let's go. And he begins to move. And then he finds opposition in his own heart, the fear of what happens if Saul finds out. And then he shows up at Bethlehem. He says, hey, we're going to have a sacrifice. Everybody show up. I got this thing. I got a plan. He gets Jesse together with his boys and let's start reading in verse six. It says, when they arrived, that's Jesse and his sons, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And in one verse, Samuel almost blows everything. He almost, what, what's crazy is he's right at this same point again of finding the next king. And you know what he does? He lets the lens that he's looking through be the same lens that he used the first time. See, Eliab had a lot of the same things going on for him that we're going to find here in the next couple of verses that were just in line with Saul. His height, his appearance, everything that he saw was good. And Samuel was like, it's got to be this guy. Man, he was right there and he was ready to make the same mistake again. And you know what? When I read this and I see it, I'm like, come on, Samuel, pick better, man. But you know what? I've spent a good portion of my ministry talking to young adults and, and, and to teenagers, and we all do this. It's, it's this conversation. I, I have conversations with them. Man, how's it going? Man, Pastor Kevin, I, I thought things were going to be different this time. Man, why do I always fall for and then insert bad boy, bad girl, whatever it is you may want to throw in there? Man, I thought this, and I gave them my heart, and then they did this. And Man, will God even love me? We have all this snowball effects of choosing the wrong people, right? I'm like, man, it'll be different this time. Let's seek God. Let's move after God. Um, I'm never doing that again, PK. I'm never doing that again. Awesome. I want good for you. And then a couple weeks later, I'll see him. Hey, how's it going? Oh, Pastor God, man, I can't wait for you to meet my boyfriend. Boyfriend? Yeah. And as they begin to describe them, I begin to think to myself, this is the same thing, just a new name. You see, we do that. And oftentimes we get back to these same places. We get back to these, these crossroads that have been known to trip us up. And you know what happens? Most of the time we go with what we know. We go with what's usual, what's comfort. Even though we might think that it could be different, it doesn't really matter if it's different or not. This is just the route that I'm going to go because that's what I'm used to. I'm comfortable moving in this direction. I know what I'm going to get here. I hope it's going to be different. I pray it's going to be different. I tell myself, I lie to myself and say it's going to be different. But oftentimes it's the same thing. But this morning I believe that God wants us to do something that will help us to decide differently, to live differently. But it's something that every single one of us, all of us, struggle to do. And it's found in Proverbs 3. Let me read it for you. It's going to pop up on the screen here. It says this in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. This morning, the thing that we need to do is we need to stop leaning on ourselves and we need to lean in to God. Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how this works. So let me, let me tell you what I mean by, by leaning in. You see, a, a, a lot of times 
when I lean on my own things, it's the knowledge that I have, the things that my own experience is the way that I think it should go. And when, I, when I'm leaning on myself, there's no one else to catch me. There's no other place to get stability. But when I begin to lean into God, you see the difference where I'm leaning on myself, on my own understanding, but I'm challenging us. I believe that what God wants us to do is to lean into him. Then I begin to get closer to him. I get to begin to know what God knows and see what he sees and hear what he's saying. And the closer I get to him, you know what happens. I become more like him. And so the decisions that I make are less like the ones that I would make leaning on my own. And they're more like him because I'm leaning in to who God is. I get to lean in on him. I get his wisdom, his strength, and his stability. Let me show you how this works. I need a couple of people really fast. Uh, Mr. Bates, since you are here today, and, and Dick, can you come here? Just the two of you gentlemen right here. All right, Joe, you just stand there. Dick, come stand right here. All right, face the crowd, everybody. These are, this is Dick, this is Joe. All right, Dick, what I want you to do is I just want you to stand on one foot. Stand on one foot. Balance, balance, balance. Now, this is normally how life works. Go ahead and just, come on, put your, put your foot up there. I didn't even do anything yet, and you can't stand on your foot. See, life comes along at times, and it just kind of does things like that. And come on, get back on your foot. Stay on your foot. I don't want you to let me knock you off of your, of your balance there. And see, life sometimes does this. All right, now, here's what we oftentimes do. That's, that's just kind of us. Now, I want you to just put your, rest your arm on Joe. I want you to lean on Joe just like that. Just put, okay, now put your foot up. All right, now that's a little bit more stable, right? Yeah, but see, but oftentimes if, oh, look, do you see, he was ready. He was ready for that. He wasn't, he wasn't quite ready for that one, though. <laughs> you see, what, what he did is he decided to lean on what looked good to him. He decided to lean on his own understanding. But watch, watch the difference. Joe, can you stand in front of him for me? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put both your hands on his shoulders. I just want you to lean into him a little bit. Lean towards him. Put your foot up again. Now, check out the difference, see? He's got different stability now. He's got different things now. And it's a little bit harder for me to get him to move. Why? Because he's not counting on himself anymore. He's leaning more into Joe than he is on himself. And so, thanks guys. So when Proverbs tells us that we need to stop leaning on our own understanding, we need to stop finding the things that help us to balance right here. And I need to begin to lean and put pressure on God and lean into his stability and his strength and all of who he is. Because at the end of the day, you can't lean your own way and expect to get where God wants to take you. You cannot lean on your own understanding. You cannot lean on your own destiny and expect to get it to where God wants you to be. It's not how it works. He will make your path straight. And here's the thing. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of trying to do this on your own? I know I am. I'm tired. I, I'll be honest with you. I'm tired of the same roller coaster just riding it at a different time. I'm tired of the same merry-go-round that lets me off at the same place and I get back on hoping to make a difference, hoping to be somewhere else, but it leads me to the same thing because I'm doing everything on my own. Wouldn't it be great if you could release the worry and the stress that you carry around because everything is weighing on you? That's what God wants to do. If you will begin to lean in, if I will begin to lean in, I can find the courage and the strength and the ability to step towards freedom. Because when it's all on me, when I'm leaning into myself, it leads me to the same choices, the same brokenness, the same messed up marriage, the same addictions, the same stuff that has trapped me my entire life. But when I begin to lean into God and I experience his freedom, then I can have the ability to take some steps and maybe I go see a counselor to fix the addiction. Maybe I talk about the anger 
anger problem that I have. Maybe I decide that since God is love, that I will love my spouse like God loves me, and that would improve my marriage. I'm not waiting on someone else. Maybe I'll give forgiveness even before people will ask because I'm leaning into a God who forgave me long before I asked. That's what happens. We begin to lean in. Man, everybody is leaning on themselves. Look around, you see it all the time. But if you want what everyone has, then do what they're doing. But if you want what God has for you, if you want something new, if you want to experience a different direction, maybe it's time to do what other people aren't doing and lean in. See, leaning in, it changes my perspective because it changes my position. You see, Dick, when he was leaning in right in that moment, he was a little closer to where Joe was. He was a little bit more strong because he was leaning in there. He could hear whatever. If Joe would have said, hey, when he pushes this time, like Joe would plot on me like that. Like he would come up with a way to get me for pushing Dick. He could hear because he was closer. Let me show you how this works. A couple of weeks ago, about a week ago, we were at the Royals game and a friend of ours gave us really good seats. And we were sitting, I have never sat this close, guys. Like foul balls landed like two rows in front of us. Jordan had his glove. He was so pumped to be at this game. And so it was at the beginning and the players were warming up. And I was like, oh, man, there's Hunter Dozier, Jay. And he's like, oh, who? I don't see him. And then I said, hey, look, there's Nicky Lopez. Like, he just came up a little bit ago. Man, he's doing great. He's like, well, I, I, can't, I can't see. And then I was like, oh, there's Bubba Starling. Like, he just got called up. And JJ and Lex, they're looking this whole time and they're trying to see. And they're like, dad, I can't see. Who are you talking about? What are you doing? And then this thing happened. Each of them at the same time moved from their seat and they came and they sat on my lap. And then I picked them up and I began to look. And you know what happened? They changed. They leaned into me. And because of that, their perspective changed because their position changed. You know what? Their eyesight was right about the same eyesight as I was. They could hear who I was talking about a lot more clearly. So when I said, that guy right there, number 27, that's who we're looking at. They didn't have to say who, where, what. I don't understand. No, 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 no. Because their position changed. They decided to lean in and get closer to dad. They could see exactly what dad was pointing at, exactly where they needed to go and see that. And so when I lean in, I can hear God's voice more clearly and I can see what he sees. See, Samuel was so close to making the same mistake. In his mind, he had already found the king of Israel. He was so close, but he was close enough that he could hear God say, not this one, not this time. We're gonna do something different. Let's keep reading. In verse seven, it says this, the Lord says to Samuel, don't judge don't judge by his appearance of height, for I have rejected him. Remember that height portion? That's exactly what we talked about when, when they found Saul. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. See, there was a resemblance there. Samuel was ready to go with what he had done before, but that's not what God wanted to do. He says this, the Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart and then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord's chosen. And then Jesse summoned Shimea, and But Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Let's stop here for a moment. In verse 7, when you get to the literal translation of man does it or the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them, it says that not as man sees does God see. And I just find that crazy that that's even, I found it so overwhelming that that's exactly what it is. Not as man see does God see. 
not with the same lens, not with the same prescription, not with the same motive, not with the same ability does God see. We see only what we can see that's right in front of us, but that's not what God sees. And Samuel had already forgotten that God was choosing someone different. He told Saul, when he, when he was telling Saul, you're no longer king, he said, God has found someone with a different heart. Samuel forgot that in that moment. He was so overwhelmed by the outside, but yet God was underwhelmed by all of these guys on the inside. He said, that's what I'm looking at. That's the key to leading. That's the key to being the king. That's the key to getting where you want to go is your heart beating after God's heart. Because when we look at David's life, David wasn't perfect, but yet he's the man after God's own heart. So, I just want to challenge you this morning, not just to lean in, but to look closer. And this is where it's going to take determination. This is where it's going to take us getting in a routine of doing more than what we've done before. Because, see, in order to look closer, I have to ask God to help me to see the way that he sees. Can I be honest with you? It's tough to do. It's tough to be in every situation, in every room, meeting every person and seeing them exactly for who God created them to be. But you know what happens as I begin to lean into God? He can tell me, he can speak these things and then I can hear him a little bit better. And it helps me to look a little bit closer. It reminds me that, hey, there was a time when people looked at me and didn't get the accurate view because God saw something different. God saw something that people couldn't see and wouldn't see and didn't want to see. And now it's my turn. It's my turn to look closer at myself and closer at the people around me and ask God to continue to give me the right lens, to continue to give me the right vision so that I don't get it wrong again, so that I don't make the same mistake again, so that I don't think someone can't do or can do something and that's not who God created them to be. We can't, I mean, we can't get so caught up in first impressions. Some of us lose all self-control if somebody fine says hi to us. If it's a guy, I'm like, huh, hi, 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 want to get married? Yep, we could do that too. You know, we make crazy choices when the outside appearance lines up with, what. oh, God, this has got to be my dream person. We don't know nothing about them. We didn't ask God for his view. We just saw that they were fine, and we were ready to do whatever. Ready to make the same mistakes to ride the merry-go-round one more time. We were overwhelmed by the outside. We need to allow God to help us to see on the inside. And it works the same way with other people. We make decisions about people before we get to know them. We look at them, and oftentimes, it's not even what we think about them in the moment. It's what we don't think of them. See, because we can look at them but not truly see them. We can pretend that they're invisible. We can just see past them over and over and over again. And this is exactly what was happening in this moment as Samuel shows up with all of these seven sons in the room with the father who's proudly presenting them saying, it's got to be one of these guys. And Samuel is confused because it's no one. And then verse 11 happens. He says, dude, are these all your sons? Are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him, and he came in. Man, he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. Man, I love this. I love this. But 
as we're looking at this, man, David isn't even invited to the party. You talk about not seeing someone and not thinking good things about them. David wasn't even considered to be worthy enough to show up when the man of God was there. Think about that for a moment. It wasn't just, it wasn't just like nothing and no, this was his dad that did that. His dad was asked by the pastor, by the preacher, by the prophet, by whoever, someone with honor and says, hey, uh, bring me all your sons. The dad did what sometimes we do. He was simply looking with the wrong lens. As he, as he looked over his sons, he started with the oldest first, the biggest, the strongest, and he said, it's gotta be him, it's gotta be him. As he looked, I mean, cause after all, why would God choose the runt? Why would, why would God choose the youngest? And he didn't even think in that moment that he was anything more than just someone looking after animals. Go take care of the sheep. This is the job that no one wants. When you look at this in the Bible, it's not a job people are signing up to do because there's a lot of reward, there's a lot of honor. No, no, no. This is given to the people that no one else wants. No one else wants these jobs, and that was David's job. And today, maybe you feel like David. Today, maybe there have been places in your life, the road that you've traveled down that has made you feel overlooked. That the people closest to you that should have spoken up for you or advocated for you or said that they were proud of you, they didn't do any of that. And you feel in this moment that you've been overlooked your whole life, that you've been forgotten, that you've been on, you've been in the field, you haven't been invited to the party, you feel like your life is unimportant, that you don't matter, that no one will ever see you for more than what you've done, no one will ever see hope in you, no one will ever see that there can be something different. But just like in this story, can I tell you this morning that there's hope? Can I tell you this morning that there's hope that if, if you feel this morning like you've been overlooked, that God knows exactly where you are, that he knows that you're watching sheep. He knows that, that your regular nine to five isn't what you're really called to do, but he spotted you right there, that you're on his radar. He knows exactly what you're doing. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. And most importantly, he's got something for you. He has something just for you. For you, you may feel like you're lost, but God knows exactly where you are. You are found this morning. In verse 13, it says, as David stood there with his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he brought. He anointed David with oil. The spirit came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Can you picture this? All of these brothers, this dad, they're all in their best. They've been consecrated. They've done these great things. They have fresh clothes, clean clothes. They smell great. And in walks the runt smelling like animals and outside. His hair is probably not great. He probably doesn't look the best. And when he comes in the room, it wasn't about anything about that. It was about what was on the inside. And God said, there he is. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. You see, David may not have got the acclaim or the accolades, but he got the anointing. So can I tell you this morning that if you feel like you're in the pasture, maybe that's exactly where God needs you to be to get you to your palace. That if he could do that for David, can I tell you that he can do that for you? That he can use all of the things in your now to prepare you for your next. You simply have to continue being you. Don't be somebody else. Don't try to be like anyone else around you. Know that God loves you and he sees you. He 
sees you clearly. He knows who you are. He knows who you can be. And maybe that's something that no one has said to you in a long time. This morning, I, we need to lean in. We need to lean in so that we can get closer to God, so that we can hear him more vividly, so that we can look closer and see how he sees, so that we can begin to look at ourselves with an accurate view, so that we can see ourselves through his lens without the limits, without the struggles, without the failures that we're using to define who we are, that we can be free, we can be who God has created us to be. And as we do that, we can become a place we can become a church that as people walk through the doors, we can love them and see them for who God created them to be. And they can feel like that they could belong here before they believe. That they could belong in this place. That people would see them and want to know them and love them. But we have to look at them with God's lens. We have to be able, we have to be determined to put those glasses on again. We have to be determined to do it again, to do it again tomorrow and the next day. And you know what happens is it doesn't just happen when people come in here, because if we're honest, we spend more time out of the building than we do in the building. So the way that we look at people when they come in here doesn't end here because we're not just a church inside these walls, we are the church to the world. And so as we begin to go out, There may be people that would never walk through these doors, but we need to be able to see them for who God created them to be. That we wouldn't see the things that divide us anymore. We wouldn't see what political views they're voting for. We wouldn't see the color of their skin. We wouldn't see the, the sins that they're committing. We would just see people that God created, that God loved enough to send his son, the very best that he had, his only begotten son, because he loved them. He loved you, he loved me. Can we see them the way that God sees them? You see, I have a, a great author that I love. His name is Bob Goff, and he says this. He says, don't be people that tell people who they are. Be people that can tell someone who they're becoming. Can I, can I, can I just say, man, I want to be a church. I want to be a person. I want to be a follower of God that would tell people who they can be because I'm seeing them with the right lens. But that requires a lot of love, and it requires a lot of faith, and it requires people to hurt me and me be okay with that and continue to love them because that's what I did for people. People tried to love me before I thought I could be loved and I tried to push them away, but they continued to love me. Can we be that place that leans in, that looks closer? Would you stand with me this morning as we close, as we close this portion of the service? Just close your eyes for a moment. Maybe today you walked in and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And the overlooked portion of your life, the, the forgotten part of who you are, it feels like that's all you have. But this morning, Jesus has something for you. He wants to bring you into relationship with him. He wants to change you from the inside out, that the hopeless feeling that you came in with can change to being a hopeful feeling as you walk out the door. And I believe that in a room like this, there are probably a few of us that need to give our hearts to Jesus. If that's you this morning with heads bowed and with eyes closed, you simply say, Pastor Kevin, man, that's me. Just raise your hand. I just want to pray with you this morning. I just want to pray with you. Is there anybody this morning say, man, that's me, PK? Is there anybody else say, man, that's me? That's me. I need Jesus in my life this morning. Let's pray together. Just repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I need you to save me. 
I can't do this on my own. I give my life to you. Thank you for paying for my sins. And thank you for giving me new life. I'll see myself through your eyes from now on. I give everything I am to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.